You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. That's certainly what the enemy wants me to do. He wants me to focus all of my attention on them, on that, because he knows that if I will focus my attention on that, on this, on them, or in David's case, on those who were speaking lies about him, then the enemy will use that to take him down, and he knows that. Satan wants you to focus your attention on things that are not important, or are possibly even lies, instead of focusing on God. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to follow David's leading and purposefully turn your attention away from people or things that are distracting you and turn your focus to God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 144, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, Psalm 144, very interesting psalm. Now, we're told this is a psalm of David. Verse 1, he writes, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. Notice that's in the present tense, not in the past tense, who trained my hands for war. No, who trains presently, currently, dare I say, continually for war. Hang on to that. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And my fingers for battle, my loving kindness, verse 2, and my fortress, my high tower, and my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. And then he says this, verse 3, Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow, or as James would say, like a vapor. The brevity of our lives. And here David is just bringing to bear the reality of how, for lack of a better word, minuscule man is, in contrast to how mighty God is. And God, I mean, you are so mighty, and we are but man, and yet you are mindful of us. Your thoughts toward us, as we read in a prior psalm, are so numerable as to be incalculable, as numerous as the sands on the seashore. It's almost as if David is struggling, even striving, to wrap his mind around this mighty God, who is also kind and loving. We're going to see that here 
later on as well. He says, verse 5, Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Perhaps a reference to Mount Sinai. Flash forth lightning, verse 6, and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I, verse 9, will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you. I think it's interesting that he would write that on the heels of crying out to God to rescue him from what appears to be these foreigners, these foes, if you prefer, that are bearing false witness against him, who are antagonistic towards him, lying about him. And then he says, you know what, it's almost like he's saying, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to focus on them and on what they are saying, on their lies. That's certainly what the enemy wants me to do. He wants me to focus all of my attention on them, on that, because he knows that if I will focus my attention on that, on this, on them, or in David's case, on those who were speaking lies about him, then the enemy will use that to take him down. And he knows that. So what's he going to do about that? Now he's going to sing. He's going to worship. I was thinking of Paul and Silas. They're in that Philippian jail. Their feet very painfully in the stocks. Never imagine the jail like the jails of today. These were dungeons. These were dark, dirty, cold dungeons. They were places where people were sent, and they were sent there to die. That was what this dungeon was. And here's Paul and Silas, falsely accused and thrown in jail. You know what their their crime was? People were coming to Jesus, and it was putting these people out of business that were relying on this demon-possessed girl that they cast the demon out of because they were using her to make money. And so they cast Paul and Silas into prison, and there they are in this dungeon of a prison, left there to die, and there's, there's no mention of them praying, God deliver us out of this prison. There's no mention of them complaining. I would have complained. Oh God, this is wrong. I'm innocent. I'm here because of you. 
I cast a demon out of somebody. I, I proclaim the gospel. People started getting saved. And this is how I get repaid. I get thrown into a dungeon. My feet in stocks. How painful is that? And it's really cold in here. So they're not complaining. You know what they're doing? They're praying out loud. And then they're singing out loud. And you know what's really interesting in the account in the book of Acts? The, the detail of the narrative suggests that these Roman jailers were listening with great interest. They were listening intently, even enjoying it immensely. Couple thoughts. I would imagine this was the very first time they ever had a prisoner in their custody, in their dungeon, that they ever heard singing. This is a, this is a first. Usually they're screaming. They're not singing. Usually they're, they're proclaiming their innocence. And the false charges and the false accusations that led to them being thrown into this dungeon. They had never heard anybody ever sing before. You know, sometimes, even when you don't feel like it, the feelings will follow. When the enemy attacks you and tries to discourage you and take you down and gets you focused on that situation, that difficulty, this trial, that that issue that you're this set of circumstances that are so perplexing and even so painful and and the enemy wants you to look at that and get caught up in that and become discouraged because of that so he can take you down with that sometimes discouragement that gives way to despair can be a demonic attack on your mind. And if you let them get to you, if you let that get to you, the enemy's got you. Now, what I found as a way out of a situation where you're very discouraged, you're maybe even fearful, and you're very downcast, is to start singing. Now, isn't that usually the last thing you feel like doing is singing? But here's what happens, and there's actually a neurological and physiological uh, component to this, for lack of a better way of saying it. Do you know <laughs> that the one time that we're using both sides of our brain is when we sing? That's why it is, by the way, that you can come to a Bible study and, I mean, you're, you drag yourself here. You almost didn't make it, because the enemy was right there about 5.30, 6 o'clock, you know, and you just ate, and it's kind of like, oh, oh man, I have really, this has been a really hard day. You know, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just not go to the Bible study tonight, you know. And then <laughs> you fight it off, and you come to the Bible study. David comes up, starts leading us in worship. And about that second song, I mean, you are, 
singing out loud, and it affects the brain, which sends the right message to the body, and then all of a sudden everything changes. So when you sing out loud, when you pray out loud, because see, when you pray in your mind, or even sing in your mind, I mean sometimes you get a song stuck in your head, you know how that is? By the way, uh, if you get a song stuck in your head and you don't want that song stuck in your head, you know, I, I found a way, maybe this, maybe this won't work for you, maybe it's because of the way my brain is, but the only way to get that song that is stuck in your head out is to get another song in, and it replaces it. And by the way, the same thing is true when you have this thought, this worry that you're, you know, thinking about. The only way to get rid of it is to replace it with something else. You know how it is that uh, after a Bible study or a worship service, you leave and you feel so much better? There's a science to that. That's the way God made us. He made us to worship and to sing out loud. And so what David does here is, I would argue, the best possible thing that he could do here. He's just got done praying, God rescue me, deliver me from what I'm up against here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop looking at that, and I'm going to sing. And I'm not going to sing that same old song. I want to sing a new song. A new song. It's like fresh fire on the altar of my worship to you, Lord. He says, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Not about you, no, to you. You know how some songs are about God, and some songs are to God. And what he's saying here is, I want to sing a new song. That'll get my mind off of it. That'll reset my mind, reboot my mind on you, if I sing a new song to you on a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. You know, we have this um, thing in our house my wife got, and it's in our kitchen. I think it's in our kitchen. Anyway, we have something in our house, somewhere in our house, but basically it says this, there is always something to thank God for. There is always something to thank God for. And by the way, we've talked about this in our study through Philippians. That's the cure for worry. The way to worry about nothing is to pray about everything and thank God for anything. I mean, when you start thanking God for just the little things that we take for granted on a daily basis, it changes the whole complexion of whatever situation we're in. And so it's a praise and thanksgiving, and it changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes our attitude. I mean, when you really think about it, the enemy is all about getting us to focus on that one thing that is troubling us. And by doing that, he gets our mind and our focus off the one thing thousand things that we have to be grateful for, that God has done in our lives. I mean, if you ever gone back, in fact, this is something uh, throughout my prayer journal I've always made a practice of doing, is just 
thanking God specifically for specific things and and never taking for granted. Here, here's an example. I, I don't want to get too far off on this, but uh, too late I already did. <laughs> you know that October 2nd of this year will be three years since we have been in this beautiful church building. Do you know that every single time I come to this beautiful church building, I still thank God for this church. I mean, it is a miracle, and as only God can, and I tell you, it's it's brought to the forefront whenever we have a guest speaker, like we've had the last couple, three weeks, and I'll, I'll take them around, and I'm, I'm I'm bragging on God, man. I'm like, God gave us this, and look at this. And, and they always, when they, first of all, when they walk out, I'll never forget when Jack was here uh, the very first time. He pulls up in the morning. He says, uh, text me, says, JD, I'm in the parking lot. Come down. I'm like, oh no, what happened? I get down there. He's like, are you kidding me? He was just stunned. I mean, he was just blown away. He said, this is beautiful. So we're doing like, you know, FaceTime Live and selfies and pictures and posting it on social media. And I mean, he's just blown away. So the last couple of guest speakers, I'll, I'll take them upstairs, uh, you know, in front of the, where the children's ministry is. And you got the co-house, I mean, right there. And then you got the water right there. And I mean, they just, it is just, it's just, and I thank God for this all the time. I never want to take what God did for granted. And it's easy to do, isn't it? We take for granted the goodness of God, those things that God has done in our lives. And so I think we would do well, as David does here, to just thank Him, to praise Him. Get your mind off of that. Get your eyes off of that, off of them. Maybe it represents a person in your life that is just, I mean, it's like, God, why? Why, Lord? And, I mean, you never know. God has them in your life, perhaps for a reason. But don't look at them. Get your eyes off of that. And Sing a new song to the Lord, and praise Him, and thank Him. And this is what he says in verse 10, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. In other words, God, you've delivered me from the jaws of death so many times. I shouldn't even be alive, and yet you delivered me. And now verse 11, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Now, verse 12, he kind of turns a corner, and he's asking God, he's praying concerning those under his leadership, as it were, because now he's king. And he prays that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style, that our barns may be full, 
supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. And then he says this, lastly, verse 15, Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. This is an interesting psalm. It's believed that it was penned by David when he had finally, after all of these years, taken his rightful place on the throne as Israel's king. You know, I was doing some research on this, and there's really no definitive passage that tells us the exact amount of time it was between when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint David, the next king of Israel, to succeed Saul, and the time that he actually sat on the throne as king of Israel. And by the way, as the greatest king in the history of Israel. Some think he was a teenager at the time, some suggest maybe about 13 years old. And then it's believed that he was probably about 30 years old when he finally took his rightful place on the throne as king. (laughs) If my math is correct, that's 17 years from the time that he was anointed to be king to the time that he became king. That's a long time. That's a long time. I think of Joseph. Uh, Some believe it was somewhere between 13 to also about 17 years from the time that he was given that dream, that he would, you know, that even his parents, that they would all bow down to him. From the time that he had that dream to the time that he was actually the most powerful man in the known world at the time, save Pharaoh, was about 17 years. Hang in there with me. I'm going somewhere with this. Joseph was an amazing leader. David was an amazing leader. But God had to prepare them for that which he was preparing for them, and it took years to do it. And part of that process involved such pain. I think of Joseph, the, the amount of discouragement and pain and suffering and betrayal and everything that he went through before he was finally put in that position. God had to prepare him for it. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.